The following audio is from Calvary Chapel, Monrovia. For more information, please visit www.ccmonrovia.org. We're continuing our study through the summer here, our Heroes of Faith series, trying to take the theme from Hebrews chapter 11 and 12, where the writer of Hebrews reminds us that all of these heroes of faith, all of these men and women who walked by faith before us, have become something of a pattern, an example for us, so that we can now walk our journey of faith. Paul, The writer says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The only difference with our race versus the Old Testament running of faith is that we now have a risen Jesus. After the cross, the writer says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, he who pioneered and perfects our faith. So continuing tonight, we want to look at one of these examples of faith and then apply it into our own Christian walk of faith. If you have your Bibles with you tonight, you can open them up with me to the book of Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6, we'll be looking at a a very well-known and famous hero of faith listed in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, a man by the name of Gideon. Most of you have heard the story of Gideon, but it's still a blessed, refreshing for us as we look at his life and consider the steps of faith that God would had him to take and apply it into our own life. Just to give you an idea, when Gideon was walking his journey. It was a time in Israel's history known as the time of the judges. And the nation of Israel had already been delivered out of Egypt by Moses. They've already come through their journey in the wilderness. They've crossed over. They've taken the promised land under Joshua's leadership. They've settled and taken the land and are now living in the land. And this story of the judges is the history, that early history of the nation as they lived in that promised land. And they got into something of a pattern while they were there. They, they, they began to get comfortable there in the land. And over hundreds of years, they began to drift away from the Lord. And they began to accommodate some of the pagan practices of the people around them. They, they got caught up in some of the worldly things going on in their culture and time and drifted away from their faith and close relationship with God. And as they moved away from God, then God's protection and blessing over them in the promised land was also removed. And God allowed the enemies of Israel to come in and oppress them, to to trouble them. Well, of course, as they began to be troubled and oppressed, well, they would cry out, oh, God, help us. And then the Lord would raise up a deliverer, a judge, someone to bring the people back to, to the relationship they needed with God. And then also he would use that judge to free them from the oppression of the enemies. And then they'd be good for a while longer. And then years would go by and they would drift away again. And this is the cycle that we see in the nation of Israel. And this is one of those cycles that's going on in Gideon's time. They've had 40 years of rest, a blessed and prosperous time, but the people are beginning to drift away. It says that they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so then the Lord allowed their enemies. This time, it was the Midianites, a, surround, a, a neighboring people that came and began to oppress them. And for seven years, they were oppressing the people of Israel. And they, were, they would come in at harvest time 
and kind of camp in the land of Israel, persecute the, uh, the people of God, and take their harvest, their flocks, their, their grain, and kind of go back to their land. So you can imagine how that would deplete and begin to frustrate you as a people. You work all year for the harvest, and then just as you're getting ready to bring in the fruits of the harvest, just as you're getting to bring in the, the fruits of the year of raising the flock and tending the herds, your enemies come in and bully and take everything away from you, and you're left kind of starving and hungry and deplenished again. And the same thing was happening for seven years. And so this caused the people to cry out to the Lord. God would send a prophet to them and tell them that, you know, the reason this is happening to you is because you have drifted away from your relationship with me. Judges chapter 6, pick it up with me in verse 8. The Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. The people are crying out to God as almost as if they don't understand why they're going through this hardship. And so the Lord sends a prophet. Listen, this is why you're going through this difficulty. I brought you out of Egypt I brought you into this land. I've been blessing and providing you with all this this, uh, bounty, and now your hearts have turned away from me, and so you've not obeyed my voice, and so these enemies are now allowed to come in and distress you again. And I think there's a lesson just right there for all of us practically. We can, if we're not careful and diligent in our walk of faith with the Lord, we can drift away from the Lord. It can happen subtly, it can happen gradually, but you soon realize you're far from God. And this is what was happening. Forty years of good times put them in a place of kind of negligence spiritually, and they found themselves embracing the pagan idols and worship practices of the world around them. And so even Christians today, we can become enamored and entangled in the things of the world. We're Christians, but we drift, and we're away from God. And as we, as we drift into the things of the world, we end up in the same entanglements and troubles and trials that God delivered us out of when we came out of the world. The very things that we cried out when we came to Christ, Lord, forgive me, Lord, cleanse me, Lord, change my life. And God did all of that. He brings you out. He does all that. And then we we tend to drift back in and we wonder, Lord, why is all this happening? Well, you're right back where you started. You need to come back to the Lord. And this is a story of God's people living in less than what God had planned for them. They're not living in the blessing and the fullness of God's hope and promise. They're living in compromise, and they're experiencing the consequences that come with compromise. And this is important for us, that we would not allow ourselves to live in something less than what the Lord has for us, that we would stay close to the Lord. That's where the place of blessing is. That's where the promises are sure. Now, God is faithful even when we are weak and and stumble, and He's gracious, and He's merciful, and He's patient. 
but he will allow circumstances to awaken us back to the place where we realize, I've got to give my life back to the Lord. I've got to stay close to the Lord. That's where the place of blessing and safety is. So this is Gideon's calling now that we find in Judges chapter 6. This is the setting of the nation. They're crying out to God. God's letting them know through the prophet what their troubles are, and now he's getting ready to help them. He's going to help them through a man named Gideon. Judges chapter 6, pick it up with me, verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. So here's the setting. Gideon has taken the wheat from the harvest. The the Midianites are already camping and looking to rob the the produce. So he's taken it down into the winepress, place hidden from view, to thresh out the wheat. He's hiding from the Midianites, trying to scrape up survival enough to last another season. And in that place, he's living there in fear. The Lord appears to him, the angel of the Lord. We find out later this is actually the Lord himself coming to visit Gideon. And he says, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now in this moment, I'm sure Gideon didn't feel like a mighty man of valor. In fact, he didn't look like a mighty, he looked like a coward hiding in the wine press trying to scrape out a little a bit of a living. And yet the Lord sees in Gideon, not who he is in this moment, but who he's going to be as the Lord begins to work in his life. The Lord speaks truth and promise to Gideon, and this is an important lesson for us tonight as well. Maybe the heart of Gideon's story is right here. That the Lord sees Gideon in the relationship, through the relation, through the lens, if you will, in relationship with him. And this is the way the Lord sees you and I. Can you imagine the Lord coming to you tonight? Dear brother, dear sister, mighty sister of valor, mighty man of valor. You'd say, um, who are you talking to, right? We don't always feel that we are this person in, in strength and in faith and in victory and in hope. Do you always feel like you're more than a conqueror? Do you always feel like you're you, in all, you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you? We don't always feel that. Gideon didn't feel that. But God sees Gideon through the lens of his potential, through, through the lens of relationship with him. And you and I need to re- remember that we are in Christ Jesus. If you have come to faith in Christ... If you, if you have received his mercy and his forgiveness and believed on him who died on the cross for your sins, your sins have been completely forgiven. You have been given the very righteousness of Jesus Christ, and you have been given this bold access to come to him for help in time of need. You have been given promises that you will be able to do all things through Christ who strengthens you. God sees you not in your strength, not in, my, in, in myself. He sees you through the lens of Christ. And he calls to you in that way that you were chosen before the foundation of the world, adopted into God's family. You are sons and daughters of God with rich inheritance, redeemed, forgiven, called, 
The Scripture says you've been sealed. That means you've been marked. God's put His mark on you. The Holy Spirit is that seal. That is that mark saying you are His property. You're a new creation. You've been made righteous, holy, His special people, and given this wonderful access of relationship with Him. So much of who we are in Christ, we often forget in time of trial, in time of difficulty. We begin to see ourselves as weak and diminished and afraid and, and beat down, and we lose our vision of who we are in Christ. And this is what's happened to God's people. This is what's happened even to Gideon. And the Lord comes. The Lord is with you. And he would say the same thing here to us tonight. The Lord is with you, you mighty man, you mighty woman of valor. God is with you because of your relationship with him through Christ. Well, let's see how Gideon responds to this strange greeting from the Lord. Verse 13, Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Gideon says, Lord... You say, you're with us. You're calling me a mighty man of valor. Don't you see? I'm here in the white. I'm hiding. And what do you mean you're with us? If you're with us, why are we having all this trouble? Gideon acts as though, again, this must be the Lord's fault. He's just abandoned us. He fails to see, no, this is the consequence which the prophet has declared of your own doing. God is coming to bring you back. He's coming to bring you a deliverance. You need to begin to see yourself in what God has purposed and destined, not the past, but now the future that God is calling you to. Look at verse 14. It's almost as if the Lord didn't even hear Gideon's answer. Verse 14, then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Do you see Gideon wrestling with the Lord even about his own faith? God is saying, I'm with you. I'm going to give you victory. No, no, that's not going to happen. Don't you know? My clan, my family, we're like nobodies in the whole tribe of Manasseh. And even within my family, I'm the least nobody. I'm the chief nobody in a family of nobodies. I can't do this. Gideon answers in fear. He answers in doubt. This is our hero of faith. But we see where he begins. He begins in a place of fear and doubt, fear because of the circumstances. He asks the question we've all asked, if the Lord is with us, then why is this happening? If God is for me, then how come this circumstance is taking place? As if somehow, if God's with me, if God's for me, I'll never have a difficult circumstance. There should never be anything but sunny days and blue skies and any cloud, any storm. God, why? If, you're, if you love me, if you're with me, this heart of fear, this heart of doubt, and caught up in circumstance. 
And he looks also not only to the circumstance, but he looks in his own personal inadequacies. Lord, I'm the, 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 the least of the least. You're calling the wrong guy. But we see the Lord's response. It's almost as if none of what Gideon says matters. He doesn't even bother to answer the wrong question. You know, why is this happening? He just, he just declares, I'm with you, now get moving. And sometimes that's the, the best thing for all of us. You know, we want to ask the Lord, we want all the answers to our questions. Why did this happen? How come this circumstance? And maybe the best thing is to just listen to the Lord. You know what? I'm with you. I love you. Now get up and let's go. Let's start moving forward in faith. I'm going to work through this circumstance. I'm going to give you victory. You give me time. We're going to get through this. I'm going to be faithful. You will see. I'm with you, and I will give you the victory. That's a lesson for us. We don't need answers for all our questions. We just need to move forward in obedience and faith. What has he promised? What has he told you to do? Those are the things that you must focus on, not, well, all the questions I have, all the excuses I have, all the inadequacies I have. No, just do the work that God has set before you. I've had the Lord say that to me on more than one occasion. Richard, just do the work. Just do the work of the ministry that I've called you to do. Yeah, but Lord, I can't do it. Lord, the circumstance, Lord, you don't understand. God, it's just do the work that I've set you to do. I'm with you. I'm for you. I love you. Now we're going to advance the story here. I'm going to summarize what takes place. Gideon responds. He makes an offering to the Lord, and he asks the Lord to give him a sign to, to really demonstrate that he can believe this message, and the Lord gives him a sign. A sign, fire comes up from the rock and consumes the offering. And he then tells Gideon, the first thing I want you to do is I want you to go into the city square and tear down the altar of Baal, the false God, and erect the Lord's altar, rebuild the Lord's altar in your town. Gideon does it. Get some of his guys, they go and they tear down the altar and they build up the Lord's altar. They do it at night. He's still afraid. He wants to do, obey the Lord, but he wants to do it when nobody's watching. And so he goes out at night, he does all this. Well, somebody sees him. The next morning, the people want to punish him. They want to kill him. Who's tore down the altar of Baal? We need to defend Baal and our right to worship him here. Well, this, about this time, Gideon's father steps up and he says, listen, if, if Baal is God, then let Baal defend himself because we need to be worshiping the true and living God. And if Baal is the true and living God, well, then let him defend. We don't need to defend Baal. What God needs us to defend him, the true and living God needs no defense. So Gideon then becomes something of a, of a hero in the town. He, he, he blows a trumpet. He rallies the troops. And 32,000 men come to Gideon to go out and face the Midianites. Now we know from later in the story, there's about 135,000 Midianites. Gideon has blown his trumpet. The Spirit of the Lord is on him. God's working in the city. God's working in the land. 32,000 have come to fight against 135,000. But Gideon wants to obey the Lord. He's, he's convinced that God is calling him. He wants to walk by faith now. He's really starting to step out. He's torn down the false altar. He's reestablished God's true altar. And now the troops have rallied and we're ready to follow you into battle. 
Well, Gideon is still a little bit concerned about the odds of this battle. So you know the story. Gideon puts out a fleece, a, 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 a fabric of wool, a fleece of wool. And he says, Lord, if this is really you calling me to go out, I just want to make sure. You said we're going to have victory, and I just don't want to be you know, out there without you. I just want to make sure. If it's really you, then then let the fleece be uh, dry in the morning and all the ground around it be wet. Let the dew come only on the ground and not on the fleece. And so the Lord provides. The fleece is dry, the ground is wet. Gideon the next day says, okay, Lord, just one more small test, one more opportunity for you to assure me. Uh, In the next morning, uh, let let the fleece be wet and all the ground dry. And so the Lord patiently provides Gideon with this answer and assures Gideon. Gideon's not looking for direction by this fleece. He already knows what he's supposed to do. He's really just looking for assurance from God that he is indeed with him and that he will keep his promise for victory. Just a kind of a side note on fleeces, you know, we don't see anybody in the New Testament doing this kind of a practice. This is not something that was carried on. This is a kind of a one-off in the Scriptures. In fact, we see in the New Testament that God encourages us to be led by the Holy Spirit, that He will confirm His will and establish His will to us by His Spirit through that peace of God leading us through His Word, through His church, and the fellowship of His people. God still wants to lead. God God still speaks. God still directs. But we don't see men and women of the New Testament doing fleeces. Some have taken this as a practice to to kind of discern God's will, but probably not the best practice. Well, let's move on now. The Lord is getting ready to bring victory. Pick it up with me now in Judges chapter 7 and verse 1. Then Jerubal, that is Gideon, he was renamed after he tore down the altar of Baal, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Herod so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give you the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. I'm amazed that anybody stayed. Anybody afraid? You can go home. Well, there's 135,000 of them out there. I'm gone. I'm back home. 10,000 remained. I'm sure Gideon thought, well, the odds are still against us, but hopefully this 10,000, God will give us the victory. But verse 4, but the Lord said to Gideon, "Eh, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you, and whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink, and the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. 
Then the Lord said to Gideon, By the three hundred men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands, and he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those three hundred men. Now the camp of, the, of Midian was below him in the valley. The Lord thins the crowd. The Lord reduces the size of the army down to a number that is absurd. 300 men were going to go out against 135,000 Midianites. And for the Lord, that sounds just about right. God says, now things are good so that when I do this good work, when I bring this miraculous victory, no man in Israel will be able to say, we saved ourselves. It was our strategy. It was our valor. It was our fighting. It was our ability. We fought so tremendously. We were, oh, you should have seen us on the battlefield. We took on all this, and it would have turned into this boasting and this opportunity to somehow claim glory. And the Lord wants to protect the people from that and to honor him and to protect his name amongst them, lest they be prideful. Isn't it amazing that the Lord said, even with 10,000, you'll still think it was you. You'll still think it was all you and your ability, and you'll want to take credit for it yourself. Boy, there's a lesson there, isn't there? We're so apt to, be, to rise up in pride. It's so subtle. It's so deceitful. And yet, we can find all kinds of reasons to take credit. We can find all kinds of reasons to take the glory. Even when God is working, even when God is moving, we sometimes kind of, well, yeah, well, I prayed with faith. And, oh, you know, I, 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 you know somehow it was my spirituality that brought God's power to bear. And so the Lord really doesn't have any desire for that. God is looking to use Gideon and this small group of men to display his glory, to show his power, to show his strength. When he's done, he wants all the men, all the nation to say, God has given us a victory. God has mercifully and miraculously intervened in our lives. We can't take credit. Gideon can't even take credit for his faith. Every step of the way, he's asking God, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? Please, please, please show me again that I can trust, you know, that it's really you. And so God is wanting to do this for himself, for his people. And here's the truth and a thought for us as we will summarize the, the battle here in just a minute. But, you know, the Lord loves us and the Lord has created us for a relationship with him and a divine purpose in which he will be glorified through our lives. And for that to happen and to happen in full measure, we really have to learn to walk humbly before our God. We have to learn to depend on him. We have to learn to walk in his grace, in his ability. We don't look to ourselves because God doesn't need whatever we have in ourselves to glorify himself. And here's the thing, to come into that full potential that you were created for, and each of us has been created by a loving God with a divine purpose. And for you to come into that in any way, in full measure, you cannot find it on your own. 
You will not be able to discover it with your own strength, with your own effort, with your own willpower, your own determination. You must learn to look to Him. You must learn to humble your heart before Him. You must look to Jesus and what He has accomplished on your behalf. There is no righteousness of yours that can earn favor from God or merit any good standing with God. The Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags, completely unacceptable before a holy and perfect God. Our standing with God is in Christ. Our confidence before God is in Christ. Lest we take any credit, lest we try to add or contribute to the work of Christ, it only diminishes what God has done for us in the greatest act of love ever displayed in that God became a man and died on the cross for the sins of men that he might save men, that, he might, that we might walk and experience his mercy. And he's teaching us to look to him, to depend on him, to live with him and for him. And this is the work of God here in Gideon. This is the work of God's spirit in our lives as well. Well, the Lord would bring great victory. You know the story. The Lord would give Gideon one last encouragement, and I suppose I would want at least that. I mean, uh, 300 men now, Lord, you've got us down to, the, to practically nothing. The Lord says, Gideon, if you're afraid, I want you to sneak into the enemy camp tonight and listen. So what do you think happened? Oh, he was afraid. He snuck into the enemy camp, and he listened. And he heard a conversation between two of the Midianites. One was relaying a dream that he had had, and the other one was interpreting and saying, that's Gideon, that's his sword. God has given him victory over all of us Midianites. And Gideon happened to be eavesdropping on this conversation. God let him hear the fear that was spreading through the camp. And this gave Gideon great confidence. He went back to his camp and with the 300 men and said, guys, God is going to give us this victory. He's shown it to me. They're afraid of us. And they begin to prepare. And you can pick it up here in verse 19. So Gideon, he divides them into three groups of 100. Gideon's got 100 with him and two others, two other groups. So Gideon and the 100 men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just as they had posted the watch, and they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. They held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp, and the whole army ran and cried out and fled. When the 300 blew the trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp, and the army fled. So 300 men with torches, they break jars, they blow trumpets, and the, the sound of it, God uses it to completely disrupt these 135,000 Midianites. They are in panic. They start swinging swords against one another, confusion, and they flee the rest of the chapter and the next chapter talk about the great victory. The, the people of Israel pursue them. They kill the leaders. And God delivers his people from this oppression of the Midianites. Gideon. And just some closing thoughts here. I'm going to have the worship team come back now. And we're going to close in a song of worship here in just a moment.
Gideon began in fear, but he was brought to faith. Could have the worship team come on up. Gideon began in fear, but he was brought to faith. I would encourage your heart tonight. You know, we, we hear about men and women of faith. We read about them. Maybe you hear testimonies of how God worked in people's lives who stepped out in faith. And in your own heart, you think, wow, that, that's just not me. I wish I had that kind of faith, but I just don't. I don't know how the Lord would bring me into anything. I just don't have that kind of faith. Gideon did not begin with this kind of faith. But Gideon began to, to respond to God in obedience and Gideon's fear God brought to faith through God patiently and graciously showing Gideon his plan and assuring him of his victory. The Lord is with you wherever you are tonight. Maybe your faith is feeble tonight and you're just trying to take one small step in God. God knows where you are and God will meet you there and God will encourage you in that place. And God wants to bring you from that step to the next step and from there to the next step. Don't, don't hide in the wine press. Don't hide in fear saying, I can't, I can't. Look at me, I'm too small, or look at the circumstance. No, trust the Lord for the first step. Gideon took that first step, and that began to grow and produce faith in his life. And I see through Gideon God's patience and encouragement. And that's how God deals with us. That's how he's dealt with me, so patiently, so graciously. Would you imagine, could you imagine a parent who, uh, you know, throw his child into the pool expecting him to swim without any lesson, without any experience, without any training in swimming? No, these, our Father knows where we are. He's gracious, he's patient, but he wants to develop you in your faith. Ultimately, Gideon would step out in faith and he would come to victory. I want you to ask your own heart tonight, I guess. I would ask you, where are you tonight? I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I'm going to close a little different tonight. I'm going to ask you to come, come forward for prayer tonight, but I want, to, I want to ask you a few questions before you come. As we look through this story of Gideon, first of all, we see a people, a people of God that found themselves in trouble because of sin and disobedience. And that may be some of you here tonight. You may be in trouble tonight, and it's a result of your own disobedience. Maybe you're here tonight, and you've never even taken that first step of faith by receiving the mercy and forgiveness of Jesus. You've never come to embrace Christ and what He's done for you at the cross. And maybe tonight you realize my life's not getting any better until I come to, a, to the Savior, until I receive what God is doing for me. Maybe you're, you're that person in trouble because of sin. Maybe you're, you're a Christian, you're a believer, but you're hiding in fear. You are hiding in fear, just like Gideon was down in that wine press. You're asking all the wrong questions. I don't understand. If God is for me, how come my life is this? And you're hiding, you're thinking all the wrong thoughts about yourself. I can't do it, it's not working. And Christianity is this just big frustration for you and confusion. And you're just in fear and lockdown. And God is calling you to say, you know, come out. You're, you're more than that. 
I have more for you. I'm not here to answer all, all the wrong questions. I'm here to guide you in the right steps toward victory and faith and blessing. Maybe you're here tonight and you're somewhere in your journey in faith. You're trying to move forward and you're looking for an assurance from the Lord, just as Gideon was. God will meet you. I don't suggest fleeces, but you know, sometimes it's good just to pray and wait on the Lord. Lord, just I want to be sure that this is you. Lord, show me in your word. Speak to me through your spirit. Lord, guide me with peace. Show me the way. God, I want to respond. I want to walk in faith. And Gideon came to that place. God, I'll do it. God, I'll fight this battle. Oh, but I just want to be assured that you're with me. And God will meet you in that place. But listen, eventually, it comes time to engage. It comes time to blow the trumpet in battle and allow God to work. It comes time to step out and trust the Lord. And my, I, I share those things with you, and there may be different hearts in different places here tonight, but here's the, here are the ones that I want to pray for. And it may be some of you, it may be none of you. But if you're here tonight and you believe that you are living in less than the Lord's promise and purpose for your life, I want you to come and stand with me here and we're going to pray. You're here tonight for whatever reasons. Maybe you've not come to faith. Maybe you've been distracted. Maybe you've been brought in fear. Just come on forward and stand here. You're living in something less than what you know God is calling you to and has for you, and you want faith to move forward. You want the faith to come forward in what God has for you. Maybe it's some addiction, it's some trouble in your life, and you just need to be set free. It may be a repentance for sin. It may be just trying to step forward in faith. However the Lord is speaking to you, you know in your heart, Lord, I'm stuck. I'm not where I know you want me to be in faith. And I want to move forward. I want to receive who I am in Christ. I want to remember that I am a child and daughter of God and that there are promises over my life and I want to walk in them by faith. Anybody else, just before we pray for this group that has come, if you need to come, just come on. We'll wait for you. We'll pray. God bless you. And then we'll close in a song of worship. To me, that's the story of Gideon. A man who found himself living way below the potential and promise and blessing of God. And yet, by God's grace, by God's word, by God's encouragement... He was able to come out of that wine press. He was, come out, he was able to come out of just doing things in the cover of night and began to blow a trumpet and began to rally his, God's people and began to trust that God was with him and that God did have more for him. And in that, God brought his, his place, him from fear and despair to faith and victory. And if that's your heart tonight, we want to pray for you. God bless you that have come. Let me just lead us in a prayer, and then we'll close in worship. Lord, tonight we, we come just as we are. And Lord, there are hearts here. Some may be responding 
just to invite Jesus into their life. God, meet them. May that heart simply say, Jesus, come into my life, forgive me, cleanse me. I believe you died on the cross for me. I've known it. I've just been, oh, I've just been unwilling to receive it and accept it. But tonight, Jesus, I give you my life and I ask you to come and produce in me the, the, the forgiveness and the new life that you've promised. For others, Lord, they are somewhere in their journey of faith with you. Some are stuck under, under the, the lie and deceit of fear and, and their own inadequacies. They feel helpless against the trial, against the circumstance of their life. And you're asking them to look above those things and see and remember who you are in Christ. God has promised to work all things together for good. God has promised a future, a hope. God has said you are more than a conqueror. You are his special people. You are blessed, sealed, marked, filled by his spirit. God is for you. And who can be against you when he's for you? God, their hearts just need to hear that voice. You mighty man, mighty woman of valor, the Lord is with you. And God, may their hearts be encouraged and strengthened tonight to move forward and to take that step, Lord, and patiently guide them. Lord, there may be others that are believers, but they're entangled. They've slipped away and they've got themselves into a mess of circumstance because of their own sinful drifting away from their walk with you. Lord, even them, meet them in this moment, just as you did God's people. Tear down the altars of Baal. Tear down those things that are, are distracting, troubling, and rebuild the altar of the Lord God in your heart. Reestablish your commitment and relationship with Him, and He will meet you tonight with, with victory, with love, with grace. And from this point forward, Lord, help them to walk in faith and in full devotion to you. God, you know the hearts. And I'm praying that you would meet each one where they are, as you did Gideon, and in your gentle and patient and loving, powerful hand, bring them into the full measure of what you've called them to. Bring them into the full purpose that you've designed for them, God, filled with the Spirit, filled with your Word, filled with hope and joy and peace and confidence in their God. And Lord, that they would walk in the victory that you've called them to. Oh God, my heart as well. Lead us to that type of joy and place with you. That we will be lights shining in a dark time, God, for your glory. And that none of us take credit. Lord, it is you and you alone that can bring us to this place of faith and victory. We ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you for coming up tonight and letting me pray for you. Thank you for listening to audio from Calvary Chapel, Monrovia. To view and listen to more sermons, please visit www.ccmonrovia.org.